Amen. Today's an exciting day for me and for our church as we're beginning the first teaching of our annual vision series. And hopefully this series will remind us of why we exist as a church, who we are as a church, how we're accomplishing this journey that we're on together. We want this to be a time of clarifying and redefining our church vision. And more importantly, the why behind everything. The why, what we're up to and what we're doing and why we're doing it. So today, I'm hoping that the ideas and the planning that will begin to unfold in this series I believe it's going to shoot a trajectory to where our church is going to be next year and the years to come. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke and sets us free. Father, we thank you that we are your church and we are your people. Church isn't something we go to. Church is who we are. And we are your people, and we're boldly declaring the word of God in our community, and we're fulfilling the great commission for Church on the Rock. In Jesus' name, amen. Hit your neighbor and said, it's a good day to be alive. Amen? You know what? If we're talking about vision at Church on the Rock, let us begin with Jesus, who is our vision. You may think that's funny, but Jesus isn't maybe in a lot of churches Many of us know Jesus as the person that gives us eternal life, that he's the son of God, that he's the savior, that he's the Messiah, he's the healer, or he's the deliverer. We know him as Emmanuel, God with us, the anointed one. We know him as those terms, amen, the giver of eternal life. But first century Jews knew him for something else other than, than that. They knew him first and foremost as rabbi. You know, over, over 90 times in Scripture when Jesus was addressed and people came up and they introduced themselves, or there was an address to Jesus, uh, 90 times there were addresses to Jesus in the New Testament and over 60 of them, they addressed Him not as Son of God, not as Son of Man, not as Messiah, but they addressed Him as Rabbi. And Rabbi in the, in the Hebrew, how many know what Rabbi in the Hebrew means? For those who don't know what it means, what does rabbi in the Hebrew mean? Say it out loud. Teacher. It means that he was teacher. So um, the rabbi would travel from town to town with a particular set of teachings or a particular understanding of the Torah or the Word of God. He, he had a grip on it. And, and these particular teachings that he would go from town to town with and teach, his teachings were called yoke. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say yoke. Now, how many remember that, that scripture that says, Come unto me, all you that are hev- heavy and laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. Take my, take my, so what would that mean? Take my teachings. Take my understanding. Take my yoke upon you. For they're easy, and, and they give, give you rest. Amen. So, so, so a rabbi would go from town to town, and he would take his yoke or his teaching with them. And isn't it cool that the anointing breaks the yoke? So whatever teachings that you've raised up with, whatever secular thoughts and whatever secular teaching, how many know that the anointing sets you free from that old yoke of bondage, amen, that old teaching, and he puts you with Christ in new teachings, amen? So first century, Jesus began his ministry by calling people to come and follow him. And I believe that God is calling Church on the Rock like never before to come and follow him. And I want to unpack that, what that means today. In Mark 1, 16, it says, One day as Jesus was walking along the seashore, 
Uh, he saw Simon and Andrew. They were throwing their nets, for they were fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to be fishers of people. So they left their nets, and they went. And he called to them at once, and, they, and he went and he found some other guys, James and John, in a boat, and they were repairing their nets. He called to them. Look at this. At once, they also followed him. And they left their dad and what was going on. You know, this wasn't a bad joke, a bad dad joke. They said, hey, uh, if you come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. That wasn't some bad joke. Back then, fishers of men in the first century was a common way to describe a great teacher as one who catches the heart and the imagination of the audience. So in essence, he was saying, hey, come follow me, and I'm going to teach you to be teachers. I'm going to teach you to do what I do so that you can... uh, that so that you can catch the heart and the imagination of Scripture. Mark 2, 13 and 14 says this, Then Jesus went out again to the lakeshore and taught the crowds that were come to him. Notice it says the crowds. And he walked and he saw Levi said, Come follow me. He got up and followed him. Here's another one, Mark 3, 13 through 15. This is in the New King James Version. He went up from the mountain. He called those to himself, and they came to him. Then he appointed the twelve, look at this, that they might... Be with him. So he called 12 and he said that they might, and I hopefully they got that in King's, New King James Version as I put on the notes there. But I wanted you to see with him. That they might be with him. And then that he might send them out to preach and to teach and have power to heal and deliver people from demons. Notice he said that they might first of all be with him. And notice, after they were with him, what he wanted to do, they wanted to be with him, but then they wanted him to do what he did. What was it that he was doing? What was he doing? What else was he doing? He was teaching. He was casting out devils. Was he casting out devils? Was he healing the sick? Um, I believe from the revival, you know, some people wanted to see the evangelists come and pray for each of you. I've been feeling in my spirit that God is trying to take people's eyes off the human being and get their eyes on Jesus, the anointed one. And I believe that God is calling us and calling crowds and calling everybody that he wants to make all of us. He wants our teacher wants to make us rabbis or people that can go do what he did. You uh, God's getting to a place. I, I, this is my heart and my vision. I wish there'd be a place where we didn't have to have a scheduled prayer team or a scheduled hospitality team or a scheduled uh, hospital team. I pray, that's by the letter, that's organization, which I, I'm cool with organization, and we will always have organization, but I believe God wants to get us to a point where we are all impacted by our rabbi to where we are with him, we see what he's doing, and we become like him, then we go do what he does. And we don't wait for the ministry staff to go do it, but we're all called to do it. Amen? See, that's the vision. That's where God is taking us. Mark 8, 34 and 35 says this. Then, calling the crowd. I want you to see this. The crowd to join his disciples. He said, if any of you want to be my follower, here's the crowd today. Is anybody out there want to be his follower? Hello? Anybody out there? Is, he's talking to the crowds. Does anybody out there want to be his follower? Amen? Uh, uh, if anyone wants to be, you must, one, give up your own way. Two, take up your cross. And three, follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, brother, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for Jesus' sake, 
That's when you find life. So the call of Jesus is to come follow him, to be his disciples, to be his, I like this word, apprentice. Apprentice. And that's what I named this this sermon because Jesus is more than a savior. He's more than a Messiah. He's more than somebody that gives you eternal life. He's more than a deliverer. He is a brilliant teacher. He is a brilliant teacher that all the scriptures ask people to deny themselves and to follow his, to his yoke, his teachings on them, and follow him. Come be my disciple. In the Hebrew, when it says, come be my disciple, the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for that is, is Talmudim. Talmudim. And Talmudim means a follower or a student or, an, or like an apprentice of their teacher. It's not like Instagram where we say, hey, I'm going to follow you if you follow me. It's not like uh, 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 liking somebody on Facebook. It's not like getting enrolled in a, in a college and being a student. The word Talmudim implies much more than these terms. The best English word to captivate the meaning of a disciple is apprentice. So to become a Talmudim to a rabbi, what they call Jesus, what they call him, rabbi or teacher. So to be a Talmudim or a follower of a rabbi, to be a Talmudim, it meant becoming an apprentice to the master. It meant to live in the shadow of the master in the most important years of your forming and framing. Some of you may have been in the church a long time, but you've never took it, taken the plunge to truly be a disciple or a follower of Christ. And so you are still infant in your teachings. You're still beginning. So really, this next year as we unfold the vision, you might be starting at first level even though you've been in church for 30 years. You all with me? Amen? Even though you've been in church for 30 years. The Western world and the Western church has almost stripped away the meaning of what it means to be a Talmudim or, or of a rabbi, the teacher like of Jesus to us. In the first century church, discipleship was like the apex. It was like the base or the head, the most important thing of Jewish education system. In the Jewish education system, there were three levels. There were three levels of education. The first level was what was called Beit Sefer. Beit Sefer. So when you were being educated in the first century church, the first thing that you enrolled in was called Beit Sefer. And the meaning is the house of the book. It's our version of grade school. They learned the normal things like reading, math, arithmetic, writing. They learned those things. But they also committed the book or the Torah. What's the Torah? The Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Okay, so they took the first five books of the Old Testament. Listen to this. And they memorized it completely. Are we setting lower standards on our kids? Are we setting too low standards on, our, on, on, on us? Don't ever say I'm too old to memorize because the scripture's written in our hearts. Amen? So they learned that, that, but they put to memory the first five books of the Old Testament completely. Most completed this Beit Sefer and their education completely by the age of 12 to 13. Now back in the ancient time of the first century church, the girls at age 12 or 13 would prepare themselves for marriage and starting a family. 
Aren't you glad we don't bring everything into modern day? Are you with me? But they started, uh, they, they started to have families. And the boys, the 12 or 13 boys, would go and they'd start business or shop with their father. That's why James and John were with their father Zebedee fishing. That's why Jesus was a carpenter as his father was a carpenter. So the second level, the first level was Beit Sefer. The second level was Beit Tamu. And this was called the house of learning. This was a higher level education that extended now from the synagogue for the people that had just finished course one. Here the students would learn from a full-time rabbi whose only job was to teach them all day long. Part of their schooling was to memorize not just the first five books, but the whole Old Testament. They memorized the whole Old Testament. Uh, but notice, uh, notice with this that they, they memorized the whole Old Testament. And then there was the third level, and this was the best of the best. This was a place that it was one more opportunity of higher education. And listen, it was kind of like this. One of a hundred would get the shot at something like this. If they got picked, they could be a Talmudim or an apprentice to the rabbi or the teacher. Even to the elite person, this wasn't an easy spot to secure the student would be interviewed. They would see how well you know the Torah. They would see if you memorized the whole Old Testament. They would grill you. Um, not only did you have it to memorization, did you have understanding of it? Were you, uh, did you have a good work ethic? Uh, what about the Talmud? What about the laws? Do you know all the laws? Do you understand all the laws? Do you know how to teach the law? Uh, what, uh, what, what did Hallel, like was one of the famous rabbis before Christ. What teachings of him did you learn and, 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 and how do you know and what do you think about that? They wanted to see. They wanted to see if these students had what it took to truly be a Talmudim of a rabbi. So intelligence, aptitude, work ethic, teachableness, faithfulness, that they would one day become a rabbi themselves. Now, notice our rabbi, I want you to start paralleling the first century church and what Jesus is doing now. So when the rabbi would say, come follow me and be my disciple to the New Testament first century church, they knew what that meant. They knew that they were being called to be a Talmudim or an apprentice. And they knew that a Talmudim meant three things. I want you to write these down. The first thing... The first goal of an apprentice, the first goal of a, of a Talmudim was this. Listen, to be with their rabbi. Remember the scripture I read earlier where Jesus said, then he appointed the 12 that they might be with him. So the first training of a Talmudim to the rabbi was that they would be with him. The apprentice, is, is a, it was a 24-7 thing. You were always on on. Every moment, every waking moment, you were with him every step of the way. You ate, slept, you worked. You were always with the rabbi at breakfast, at lunch, at dinners. It, he was always right there. You were always in tandem. You were already always walking right with him. In fact, in the New Century Church, I want you to write this down. This is pretty cool. A well-known blessing of the first century church said this, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. May you be covered 
with the dust. That's what it means to be with him. To walk so closely down all the trails and all the roads to where you were right on the heels of your, of your rabbi. You were the Talmudin. You were the apprentice in training. You was watching every move you make. You was watching how he healed the sick. You were watching how he spoke when conflict res- resolution need, needed done. You watched how he handled when, when marital problems. You, you watched and you were right on your heels. You watched how he gave thanks for meals. You watched, you watched, you watched, you watched. And the deal is, may I be covered with the dust of my rabbi because I'm with him. The second goal of the apprentice was to become like your rabbi. So number one is to be with your rabbi. Number two is to become like your rabbi. Jesus taught, remember in the scripture I read in the New King James Version in Luke chapter 6 verse 40. It said, a disciple is not above his teacher. Are you all with me? A disciple, a Talmudine, is not above his teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained by their rabbi will be like, everybody say become like, be like. Everyone who is trained by his rabbi will become like his teacher. This is the heart and the soul of apprenticeship. Listen to me carefully. When I wrote this down, I felt a strong anointing right here. This is in contrast to the culture of modern Western religion and the modern Western world. Our world teaches personal autonomy. Our world teaches that we are the chief, that we are the head, that we are the chief aspiration, that we, that it's our aspiration with this idea that you got to be true to yourself. Because that's the highest goal of attainability. But in the discipleship, but in discipleship, Christian discipleship, first century discipleship is to be utterly and completely like someone else. The apprentice of the Bible will emulate, will imitate their rabbi's every move. They will move as he moves. They will speak as he speaks. They will have the views that he views. Oh, don't get me going on that. People have these these stupid views that are not biblical, that they've learned in their schools and their colleges, and they hold dear to them because they don't know the teachings of their rabbi. Oh, God forgive us. God forgive us. There is an absolute truth, and it is the word of God. The way we behave, we look at the way he behaves. We look at his habits. We look at his routine. We look at his message. And they were to become like their teacher in every way conceivable. Ray Martell, over, I would say way over 30 years of being a union carpenter. I remember coming and working on this church every day for four years. I knew that he was the best of the best. I knew that, that if you put together all the houses that he has built and all the motels that he has built and all the businesses he has built, it could probably be the size of Hampshire over the years that he's done it. Literally. He's built. He, I, I, watched, I watched how he hammered a nail. I watched how he carried the studs. I watched how he hang, hung the sheetrock. I watched how he 
Being used to leading over 30 people. Hey, try to keep 30 people busy on a project. I watched how he, with, with preciseness and, and with vision, with outlook and vision, how he could keep a whole 30 people working. And, and, and he could just lead that process. Larry, you know what I'm talking about. You know how quick we hammered out your basement. Because he, he worked with such precision. I watched every single thing he did, and I put it in my mind, if I can become like my teacher, then I can be a skilled to where I can go do what Ray does with the same uh, perfection and excellence that he does it. Do you know how many people would come in and work? I don't want to turn things negative, but it needs to be said. How many would come in and start telling him how to build? And would start telling him how to lay out a wall? And start telling, and I would look at these people, and I'd be like, "Shut up!" They don't. They never picked up a hammer in their life. It's because our culture teaches us to be know-it-alls. Our culture teaches us to have to have an opinion and to to always be able to. Sometimes we need to keep our mouths quiet and put what the Word of God says in our mouth and do it. You know, people, there are certain people that, that, there are certain people that to me are guides or stars. Over the years, I've met people that, that to me, when I read the Bible, they look like the love that I read about. To me, when I read the Bible and I read about what giving should be and what serving should be and what it means to be a servant, I can pick certain people out in churches that they emulate that, 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 that they have that, that they have that well, that characteristic of Christ. And I try to follow them and to do it just like they do. Do you know how many scriptures there are about follow me as I follow Christ? Do you know it's okay to master different things in your Christian faith and to be something that gives people something to look at and something to strive for? Do you know that there are actually happy marriages at Church on the Rock? Can you believe it? Yeah. Follow them. See how that husband talks to his wife. See how that wife responds to her husband. See how they do their finances. See how they respect each other. See how they honor the word of God. And I'm telling you that anything that's going well and anything that's working like a well-oiled machine, it's because it's following the teacher's rabbi that we serve in his word. So to be with Jesus. So the apprentice is becoming like their rabbi. It meant daily practice, practice, practice. Hey, some of you with habits that are bad, some of you want a one-time wham-bam at the front. Yours may be practice. Yours may be, how did I fail? How did that happen? How do I need to change it and learn from it and fail forward? Practice, practice. Think how many times Michael Jordan shot Free throws. Tara did not become an incredible piano player. She became an incredible piano player because when other people were out playing around and and doing different stuff, she was in piano lessons and practicing. Practicing. So to become like our rabbi, it's something that you practice. You can never become like our rabbi by just coming to church once a week. Can't do it. The third goal of apprenticeship was this, to do what your rabbi did. And remember the scripture I read earlier, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to do what he did. 
to do what he did. The whole premise, the whole idea, basis of apprenticeship is that they, in return, would do what their rabbi did. Amen? If there are three, if these three ideas of the first century church, that's how they did it, to be with your rabbi, become like your rabbi, and do what your rabbi did. Don't you think, don't you think, hit your neighbor, hit your neighbor, don't you think, don't you think that we should carry this in our DNA of Church on the Rock? Anybody out there? We're talking about vision and mission. Don't you think that should be our DNA? That should be what we strive to be like. And that's why we're teaching about vision. Okay? Don't you think this idea should be personally carried by each of us as we go through 218? Well, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ today? To be with Jesus. The first and foremost disciple of Jesus is to spend every moment, every day with Jesus in the presence of Jesus. How do we do that? Jesus isn't here. How do you do something you can't see? How do you do something you can't touch, you can't feel, you can't? How do I do that? He left us the Holy Spirit. Guys, listen. The scripture says, he, listen, guys, we, listen to this. Teach us. In Matthew 28, 20, it said, teach these new disciples to be, obey all my commands that I have given you. And be sure and know this, Jesus said this, that I am going to be with you always in the coming of the age. So is Jesus with us today? Do we have the opportunity to hear straight from the rabbi? To, to, to learn straight from the rabbi. Yes, because John 14, 16 says this. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Advocate there means comforter. One sin alongside of you. Was Jesus alongside of them? Advocate means counselor. Advocate needs teacher. Advocate. Advocate. And then he said that he will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. Down a little bit further, but you know him because he's with you and later will be in you. For you to truly become a Talmudim of our rabbi is you've really got to get to the place where you understand that God is always with you. That you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that when, when, when you became born again, flesh gives flesh gives. Flesh gives life to flesh. It says when you were born of the water, water gives birth to water. Spirit gives birth to spirit. When you were born of your mother's room, that's flesh to flesh. But then when you're born in the spirit, that means Galatians says that God's spirit literally comes into your heart. Jesus said, I'm not going to be with you. But later, I'm not only going to be with you, but I'm going to be in you through the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, 30 years of walking in the Spirit and understanding that truth, it is as if I'm one of His 12. He teaches me. I do not run to, com- to uh, commentaries first. I ask the Holy Spirit what He's saying. In fact, when I first became a Christian, the Lord told me no commentaries and no books. Bible only. And I didn't understand nothing. He'd say, go lay in the sanctuary and ask me. Um, In fact, I'm going to just leave that there. But being with Jesus is this. You might want to write this down. Learning to live in 
and to be in a constant state of awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to read this, but write down John 15, 1 through 8. John 15, 1 through 8. John 15, 1 through 8. Write that down and please read it today. That is the best example about what it means to be with him and the metaphor he used there. Um, Paul said, um, let me, I'm going to have to skip, I'm running out of time. Dallas Willard said this, listen to this. Everybody listen to this. This is one of the most powerful things I've read in a while. Dallas Willard said this, the first and most basic thing we must do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our hearts and minds constantly to Him. In the early times, trust me, in the early times of doing that, in the early times of our practicing, we may be well challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on those things that are less than God. But these are habits They are not the laws of gravity and they can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former one. As we take intentional steps, everybody say intentional steps. Intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God. As the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our soul, he will become the pole star of our inward being. Being with Jesus is learning to live and be in a constant state of awareness and connection to the Holy Spirit. And this takes a lot of practice, practice, practice. Some of the ways we practice that are silence and solitude and prayer and fasting and reading and Sunday worship and Sabbath rest. I just laid out all the things we're going to teach the next year as you become a student of our rabbi. Goal two is become like Jesus. This is the process. Braden, I'm probably going to need ten. This is the process commonly referred to, to some of us old timers, as sanctification in theology. Often in these days, you might have heard it called spiritual formation. I'm more familiar with that term, spiritual formation. Again, Dallas Willard says this. Spiritual formation is the Christian tradition. It's the process of increasingly being possessed. I'll never forget when I read a newsletter from David Wilkerson, who's now with the Lord, it's talked about being possessed by God. That's a good possession. Spiritual formation is a Christian tradition, is the process of increasingly being possessed and permeated by the character traits of Jesus as we walk in the easy yoke. What is yoke? What's yoke? Teaching, as we walk in the teachings of discipleship with our teacher. And then write down Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29. So we, this year, in our strategy of bringing this church where God wants us to be, is we're going to have spiritual formation, becoming like Jesus, intentional spiritual formation. There's going to be March, there's going to be an order, and there's going to be a, a layout and a plan where every person here has the opportunity to be a Talmudim of the Lord.
But you know what? You're being formed by something. If you set a, a trajectory out 20 years of what you're going to be in 20 years, you are being formed. Every person here is being formed. You're either being formed intentionally or you're being formed unintentionally. And sad to say, most of you are being formed unintentionally. Unintentional formation is this. It's things that, it's stories we believe. It's things we've been taught in school. It's, 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 it's different things that we listen to. We listen to all these Joe Blows that don't know their head from a hole in the ground. And we listen to all this stupid teaching. And, and that starts forming us. And then the relationships we have. The relationships that spawn bad behavior. Do you not know the scripture says that, that bad, uh, what is that scripture? Bad, huh? Bad company corrupts what? Good people. Wrong relationships. And then some of our habits and routines are awful. Awful. So we got to, we're becoming someone over a period of time. We're being formed by someone or something. Who you are and what you become like needs to be intentional. I would like to grow up to be like Jesus. Someone that's free from anxiety. Unhurried and unstressed. Someone that has power over evil. Power over the demonic world. Someone who has mastery over bad habits and routines. Someone who, who has true love and kindness towards people. Someone who knows, breathes, and lives the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5 through 7. Someone who knows that sermon and doesn't just know the Sermon on the Mount. They're like this. Well, of course I love my enemies. What else would I do? Kill them? Bomb them? Well, of course I simply, of course I live simply with radical generation. What else would I do? Would I keep my money only for myself and only serve myself? See, they're changed. Of course I live free of anxiety and worry. God's my father. Well, of course I forgive. I mean, you just become that. Of course I do. How do we do that? How, what is that? What is that process in a one-liner? Here it is in a one-liner. It takes a life built around practice, 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 and more practice that then we carry out in community. This is what I call intentional spiritual formation to where we hear teachings of our rabbi. And instead of habits, we have practices. And instead of relationships, we have biblical community, in which we're going to hear more about in this church. Over the next six weeks, we've been planning and we've been restructuring how God is calling Church on the Rock to be with the idea of practice in biblical community. We're not going to be able to do this in the next quarter. The, the, the trajectory that we're on, I, I, think, I think it's a three-year plan. To truly get to be that, I need people today to sign up and get on board in your spirit. And if you'll hear and believe, you, you know, I kind of remember starting this year off saying, man, I wish you would just trust me on this 21-day fast. I wish you'd just trust me in getting in a prayer pocket. I wish you'd just trust me on committing every night to the revival. I wish you'd just trust me in this one. 
If you don't understand it and you don't want to and you got other things planned, cancel it. Trust me on this one. I'm telling you another one. Trust me on this one. I am very clear of our direction and, our, and what God's calling this church to do. And I, I, You know in revival, the, the Sunday night, the Spirit of the Lord was so heavy, I sat on that front row and I couldn't lift my shoulders up. And I couldn't even lift my head up to look at the preacher while he was preaching. And I just sat there and wept and wept. The anointing was so heavy. My brother Nick said it the best way. Can you remember how you told me what the revival did for you? To me, that was the. We went from weeping to joy, and to Tuesday night, we left with strength. We left with strength. Amen. But. And if you miss that, no condemnation. That's the good thing about God. You can get on anytime you want to. Amen. Uh, that, that's the good news. But 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 uh, that 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 heavy anointing. You know what I was crying about? Is I was seeing what I know God's called me to do, and I've already been doing it thirty years. And I was thinking of my next thirty if Jesus doesn't come. And the reason I was weeping is I was like, Lord. Do I have to have 100% participation of this church for you to do what you want to do in Church on the Rock? And you know what he told me? I don't. You just do what you're called to do. And there will be people that are going to hear this call today in the Spirit. And you will answer that call. And we will link arms. And we will become like Jesus. And the goal three, we want to become like Jesus so there's, here's our new vision or mission statement. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and three, to do what Jesus did. We will build to the moment, and Alma's going to preach on this in February, on to do what he did. But we will build to the moment to where the apprentice carries out the work of the Lord himself. The work of Jesus was to bring God's kingdom to this earth and to establish his rule and his reign through people, the church in this earth. Doing what Jesus did, here's some things you might write down. If I put ten categories, it would be this. It would be preaching the gospel. It would be teaching Jesus' way of teachings, like the Sermon on the Mount. How he feels about anxiety, how he feels about giving, how he feels about uh, prayer, how he feels, uh, teach his ways. Healing the sick, casting out devils, being a peacemaker, doing justice, eating and drinking with people that are far from God, praying, prophesying, and standing up against religious and political hypocrisy and pride. The Lord hit me hard on this one as you're coming, Braden. The Lord hit me hard on this one. Our goal isn't to know about this stuff. It is to do what he did. It is to do the work of the ministry. We are called to do what he did. And again, I want to reiterate this. I think sometimes people are waiting for Pastor Brian's prayer or Randy's prayer from the revival. God is wanting to take this church to where you know you have a prayer.
that you have an anointing. We're not trying to raise up one superstar. We're trying to raise up a whole army of of people that can do what Jesus did. That's how we're going to reach our community. Man, I can't go to your jobs. I can't go to your communities. I can't be in your homes. How many remember Randy's teaching? Do you want the lampstand in your life? Because when the lampstand comes in your life, Jesus walks amongst the lampstands. Somebody say, I want to be a lampstand. You're a lampstand. You're a light on a hill. You are a light on a hill. Your house should be a lampstand. Your house should be people that all the neighbors want to come to it because they know there's peace there and there's joy there. And mom and dad are living that biblical mom and dad picture to people. Lampstands. Jesus walks amongst the lampstands. Listen to this. Our goal is not to know about this stuff. It's to do this stuff. Do what he did. We are called to do it. Doing what Jesus, listen to me, listen, I I felt this strong. Doing what Jesus did is more than the power gifts. Sister Alma, I know you're not going to sit and just preach about healing and deliverance. We hear those sermons. There are so many messages of doing what he did that aren't these dynamic miracles and calling fire down. and Everybody wants that. You know why they want that? Because they're still not dead to wanting to be seen and wanting to do all this powerful stuff. God is going to look for people that are humble. Listen to this. Stay with me here, guys. We welcome back the students. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. God, humility with great authority. I'm just feeling this right now in the spirit. With the authority that Christ wants to give to you. There has to be great humility. And with great humility, there, be, there comes a godly boldness and courage. Some people have, some people have confidence and are strong, but it's not a godly strength and it's not a godly confidence. God wants this church to humble themselves before God. He wants to give you great authority in your life. But before he can give you his authority, you must first become humble. The servant of all. The least of the least. And I don't think we've mastered that. I haven't. That's what we got to practice, practice, practice. Because if you heard do what Jesus did, most pulpits would sit and say, Heal the sick! Set the captive! Yeah. But what about be a peacemaker? What about love your enemies? Do what he did. What about bless people that curse you? What about forgive as you want to be forgiven? He did that too. Do you want the power? I want the whole thing. The great commission is go and do it. He said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, they will follow you who believe. In my name, you'll cast out devils. You'll speak with new tongues. You'll take up serpents. And if you drink anything deadly, it won't hurt you. 
Now let's don't go down to southern Arkansas and start handling snakes. What that means is you're going to be able to handle the snake, Satan. It means this. The scripture says that you shall walk upon scorpions. You shall walk on snakes. It's not telling you to go walk on physical scorpions and snakes. It's telling you as the bride of Christ being the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus said in Genesis 3.16 that my heel will bruise that serpent's head. So greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. Brothers and sisters, you walk upon serpents and snakes and scorpions. And you bruise their head and they bite your heel. And that is because Jesus disarmed the enemy. And Jesus disarmed principality and powers at the cross when he was raised up. When it says you shall drink no poisonous thing. When they were bitten poisoned with the snakes and dying Then Moses, as Moses lifted up the serpent, the bronze serpent. Notice it wasn't a real serpent. It was a bronze serpent. It is a type of because Jesus wasn't sin. He became our sin. Is why it was bronze. But when Jesus was lifted up on that cross, it drew people to him and they looked upon him and was healed. That's the victory. The cross is the victory. You'll speak with new tongues. And then the Bible says, and they went out and they preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. I didn't catch that in all my studying this week. I I didn't catch that. I just added that scripture this morning or last night. They went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. You know why he worked with them? Because they worked on being with him and becoming like him. And then they did what he wanted to do. Today's call is easy. Today's call is easy. I wrote it in one line. Today's call is a call to be a Talmudine. The call to truly be a follower of the way. Of Jesus Christ. To truly be a follower and a disciple. A Talmudim. Back in the Old Testament, it was a... Man, nobody could get to do that. He, did, he gave, offered it to the crowd. It's offered to all of you. And when I pray a prayer, I want us to stand up and you that are feeling the call... To truly follow Christ. I'm not talking about first time salvation. I'm calling about the call. To be a Talmudian. Disciple of Christ. That you will practice being with him. Becoming like him. And to do what he did. That you're signing up today. So that we can be the lampstand. Father in the name of Jesus. As the worship team sings this song. Lord, I pray that when we stand, that this church will stand in one accord and that people will come forward. And as we've been doing in revival, that they will find a place in prayer, whether standing or kneeling, and they will say, I hear your call. I hear you saying, come follow me. And I want to make you a fisher of men.
When I ask you to stand up, I want you to come. The lights are going to come down and there's going to be a time of prayer. And let's see what the Holy Spirit will do today. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, move and draw in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Begin to come all over this place. Begin to come. If you're hearing the call, if while I preach, something was speaking to you, and you hear that call, begin to come as we enter into a journey as a church. As we journey as a church. Let's link arms. Let's start with square one and answer that call.